Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 Summer Family Bible Conference. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Praise God. I am so blessed to be here. God is so good to us. Amen. You know, the word of his grace, the Bible says, will build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith that is in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we, we teach the word of grace. We want people to get a hold of the message of grace and the message of faith. We teach a combination of that. One of the men that came to my church who's been in the body of Christ a long time has a good understanding of the word. After he came there for about three months, he said, Pastor, you teach faith like nobody I've ever heard teach faith before. I said, it's because I mix it with grace. And grace is really what makes faith work. Praise God. And when you understand that, I'll be sharing about that just a little bit today. I'm going to share from Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and verse 17. I'm going to be talking about uh, the gospel. Amen. And... Uh, if you were here when Barry Bennett taught, this will really fit well with what Barry taught. Barry was uh, teaching on the thing that holds back, you know, you know what we want to receive from God is, is the strong man. He talked about what gave him power was sin. And so he said, therefore, what strips him of power is righteousness. And the fact is, when you believe on Jesus, you are made the righteousness of God in Christ. And so an understanding of righteousness is foundational uh, to our Christian life. And I believe about 90% of the body of Christ, even though they're born again, do not really have a revelation of righteousness. So one of the classes that I teach in the Bible school is I teach on Romans, the revelation of righteousness. And it's my favorite subject. I love the book of Romans. I love the Word of God. But uh, it just uh, cranks my tractor, if you want to say that. Amen. <laughs> and so, uh, praise God. Uh, Andrew's one of these guys. I can actually tell when he's excited. But, it, you know, you really have to know him very well to tell he's excited. <laughs> and uh, I can actually tell when he's excited. But uh, sometimes he's preaching. And I told him one day when he was preaching, I was in second year class and he was teaching. I said, Andrew, I, that made me just want to get up and run and shout, praise God. And he can be there just so calm. And I'm like jumping up and down on the inside. So <laughs> praise the Lord. So open your Bible to the book of Romans. We're going to be in uh, verse 16, verse 17, Romans chapter 1. Paul says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes it. He says to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith according as it is written, the just shall live by faith. How many of you are glad that faith is not a movement? Faith is a lifestyle and we live by faith. Every day we live by faith. And when you live by faith, your life's going to look different than a lot of people around you. Hebrews 11 talks about a lot of different people that are living by faith. And one of the simplest definition, definitions of faith that I've heard is having a relationship with God or walking with God. You know, when you have faith, you walk with God. You have a relationship with God. And because you have a relationship with God and you walk with God, you walk differently than the rest of the world walks. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. But what really makes faith work is an understanding of the gospel. And so Paul says this, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good message of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the good message of what Christ has already done for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. Thank God I'm not ashamed that Jesus came to save us, heal us, deliver us, prosper us, give us peace. Amen. Jesus came to raise us up. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of that message. And I'm still preaching the message. Now, you know, I read a book years ago when I was just a teenager on the good life. It was by T.L. Osborne. And when I read that book by T.L. Osborne on the good life, I thought, this is almost too good to be true. And then I heard Andrew preaching a couple years later, the gospel is the almost too good to be true news of what Jesus has already done for you. 
Praise God, it's a done deal. It's a finished work. It's a complete work. There's nothing more that he has to do. Jesus has already been crucified. He's already been resurrected. He is seated at the right hand of God. And all you've got to do is believe Jesus. And if you believe Jesus, your life's going to change. Your life isn't going to look like everybody else's life. Amen. Your life ought to look different because of what Jesus has already done for you. And so he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good message. I'm not ashamed of the good news of what Christ has already done for us. It's something that's already been done. It's already been completed. Now, there may be some aspects of salvation. He says, it is the power of God to salvation that are yet to come. Talking about he put in every under, enemy under his feet except the enemy of physical death. And so when he comes again, he's going to put that enemy under his feet and we're going to live forever with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And so Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the good news. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good message of what Jesus has already done for us. Because he says the gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. You want to see the power of God move in your ministry? You want to see the power of God work in your life? Start believing the gospel. Start preaching the gospel. I'm telling you why we don't see more of the gospel move, working in people's lives is because a lot of times we're not preaching the gospel. We're not preaching about what Jesus has done. We're not preaching about, you know, what he's you know, what he's accomplished in his death, death and resurrection, what he came to do. He said, it, it is the power of God. Now, the word power here in the Greek is the word dunamis, and it means strength, force, ability, strength, might, or ability. Thank God we have the strength, we have the ability, we have the power of God. And when I studied this out in the Greek, it says that it is resident, it is inherent in the believer. It's something that's in every believer in Christ. If you're a believer, you've got the power of God in you. You've got the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead living on the inside of you right now, 100% of the time as a believer. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you he will quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you it tells us in Romans chapter 8 verse 9 if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of his so you're either 100% the property of God spiritually speaking or you're 100% a child of the devil you're, you're either a child of God or a child of the devil you're either on your way to heaven or you're on your way to hell you're either born of God and you're full of the life of God or you are dead spiritually speaking there there's no in between the Bible says in, in the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11, uh, 1 you hath he quickened you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin so you were dead but he made you live in Christ he made you alive in Christ if any man be in Christ 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, he has become a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. He made us right with himself and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So spiritually speaking, you are either in Christ or you're outside of Christ. And what happened when you got born again was you got in Christ, so to speak. Amen. You look a whole lot better in Christ than you do outside of Christ. Amen. You see, because what God did in Christ is what he wanted to do in every man. Hallelujah. When God was working in Christ, he was working on us. And he did in Christ what he wanted to do in every man. And when you believed on Jesus, you became a brand new creation in Christ. One that was never in existence before. Your spirit was reborn. Your spirit was recreated, created in the image of God himself. And you have the very life, nature, and ability of Jesus Christ on the inside of you. He, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation. It empowers God to work salvation and you've got the power of God to salvation in your spirit residing in you 100% of the time as a believer. You have the power of God. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and he says, 
We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. It's not our own power. We have the power of God. We have the life of God. We have the nature of God. We have the ability of God on the inside of us right now. If, if Christ be in you, we quoted verse 9 and verse 11 of Romans chapter 8. But he says in verse 10, he says, if Christ be in you, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. <laughs> but the body is dead. We're alive in Christ. We're alive to God. We're alive to the things of God. We're alive to righteousness. Amen. Glory to God. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You ask me why I'm so happy. You know, I had this teacher that got mad at me in high school because I was so happy. He couldn't understand why I was so happy. He, he, he got so, so mad at me one time that, you know, I was helping one of my friends out that needed some help. And, and he kicked me out of class for helping my friend out. He said, well, nobody's supposed to be talking in here and you're not supposed to be helping anybody. He, he just, he, he just was, he was just angry. He was just upset all the time. What, what makes you so happy? Well, I'm telling you, Jesus makes you happy. Lord to God. I went to Russia and the Ukraine and I was preaching over there and they said, you can't, you can't be like this. You can't act like this. You know, I went to Israel, to all the holy sites, you know, and the ones that are controlled by the Orthodox churches, they're like, be quiet, be, be subdued. You might wake up some dead saint around here. Well, I'm, I, they, they may be dead, but I'm alive and Christ is living in me. And I found out it's all right to be happy. Hallelujah. And I went to Russia and I was preaching for about two weeks and I had this little Russian interpreter and a little after three or four days, she said, I think I, I, think I got it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And when you've got the spirit of the living God, when you've got the spirit of Jesus Christ living on the inside of you, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, you have a reason to rejoice. You have a reason to be happy. Paul wrote from a Philippian jail and he said rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice let your moderation be made known to all men the Lord is at hand Jesus is going to come back our Savior, our Lord and our King let me tell you something the resurrected King of eternity is living on the inside of you the resurrected King of eternity Jesus Christ has taken up residence on the inside of you and if you get an understanding of that what how can you be so sad Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel he says I'm not ashamed of the gospel I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ he says for it is the power of God it releases the power of God to salvation it's the power of God to everybody who believes it amen it's the power of God to salvation. Now, when we look at that word salvation, it's the Greek word soteria. And it comes from the Greek word sozo. And you know, this, this is one thing I'm just going to tell you about. They've taken some of these new websites and they've taken things that are written like in the Abington Strongs that was done in the late 1800s. And they've changed the meanings of these words. And they're trying to take healing out of the gospel. But if you go back to it and study it out, he says the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Soteria, it comes from the Greek word sozo. And, and what, the, what the literal translation of the word is this, it, it means to de deliver, protect, to heal, to preserve, to save, to do well, to make whole. And when you study it out in the New Testament, the same word is used as to be saved or to be made whole or to be healed. Let me give you some examples. Turn to Mark chapter 5. Let's look at this. I just want you to know that healing is included in the gospel. I want you to know at the same time that Jesus died on the cross and took our sins, he took stripes on his back for our healing. 
And so we have just as much right as believers to be healed in our body as we do to be forgiven for our sins because Jesus paid for them at the same time. Look at the scripture. God ties forgiveness and healing together over and over and over and over again. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all of thy diseases. Isaiah chapter 53, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. He goes on to say, for he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed by the way the word healed there in in Isaiah 53 verse 5 and the word uh, he forgives uh, heals all our diseases in Psalm 103 is the same word as healed in Exodus chapter 15 verse 26 when the Lord says I am the Lord your healer I am Jehovah Rapha God is Jehovah Rapha he is the Lord our healer and then he says this in Malachi 3 verse 6 he says I am Jehovah and I change not he's never changed from being the Lord our healer you go over to Mark chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 9, it's the same instance. They, they bring a man to the meeting where Jesus is preaching to get healed. There's so many people in the house. They, you know, so many religious people in the house. They can't even get him in. And, and, and so since they can't get him in, they want to get him healed. They break up the roof and they let him down. And they let him down before Jesus. And Jesus looks at him. And when Jesus looks at him, he says, son, cheer up. Your sins are forgiven. Listen, you ought to cheer up. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. Your sins, you know, think about this. God forgives your sins and he doesn't remember them anymore. There's some people forgive you, but they remember it forever. My wife can remember every bad thing that I've ever done. She's probably watching online right now. She'll tell me about that later. You're talking bad about me, honey. I say, I really love you. I mean, we were on a date. I asked her if she could give me a bite of her ice cream. She had a single scoop. She said, oh, yeah, and I, I bit off about half of that scoop. She remembers that. For, we've been married 30 years. She's still remembering all the bad stuff I did. Oh, glory to God. It's a wonder she married me. She said, you're a real piece of work diamond in the rough in the rough she can't she 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 really talks about the rough part she says you're getting better and better <laughs> Jesus is working on us amen glory to God what was I preaching about I was talking about healing cheer up your sins are forgiven three cheers in the New Testament cheer up your sins are forgiven in the world Jesus said you'll have tribulation but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world and then when he sent them across the sea and they were struggling and they were in a storm and they thought they were going to die, he, he came walking on the water. They said, Lord, is it you? He said, cheer up, it's I, be not afraid. Yeah. Glory to God. You can cheer up, your sins are forgiven. You can cheer up, Jesus hasn't left you, he's still with you. And you can cheer up, even though there may be tribulation, there may be trouble, there may be problems in this world. You can be of good, of good cheer because Jesus has overcome this world. You've got the, the overcoming life and uh, nature of Jesus living on the inside of you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. What's that word mean? Just like that word is talking about deliverance, it's talking about forgiveness, but it's also talking about to be made whole or to be healed. Let's Look at Mark chapter 5. Or did I tell you? I'm at Matthew 15. We're going to stop at Matthew 15. Then we'll go to Mark 5, okay? Matthew chapter 15, the Syrophoenician woman in verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour, from that same hour. The word for made whole is the Greek word sozo, save. Her daughter was made whole. Verse 20, verse 30 and 31, and great multitudes came unto him. 
having with them those who were lame and blind and dumb and maimed and many others, and they cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitudes wondered when they saw the dumb to speak and the maimed to be whole and the lame to walk and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. When you look at be whole in verse 31, and, and was made whole in verse 28, it's the Greek word sozo, the same word salvation comes from, to save. To save or to be made whole. It's the same time. God paid it the first time. Now, remember, I didn't forget where I was at. Mark chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 9. They let the man down through the roof. Jesus looking up saw their faith. You can see faith. You can see faith. Hallelujah. He saw their faith. He said, hey, cheer up. Your sins are, your sins are forgiven. I'm sure they thought, Jesus, we didn't bring him here to get forgiven. Can't you see? He's lame. He can't. We brought him. Jesus, we didn't tear up the roof for you to forgive his sin. We tore up the roof for you to heal him. But remember, there's a bunch of religious people in the house. Now, religious people in Jesus' day questioned his power to forgive sin. They didn't question his power to heal. They got mad about him healing on the Sabbath day. But they didn't question his power to heal, but they questioned his power to forgive sin. And Jesus said, well, is it easier to say, your sins be forgiven, or get up, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin, I'll tell you, get up, take up your bed, and be whole. And he got up, he took up his bed, and he was well. He was whole. Right? Forgiveness and healing. Forgiveness and healing. Same, same Greek word, sozo. Right? Now, there's other Greek words for healing. Right? But when you talk about salvation, we're talking about something that, that's talking about well-being, spirit, soul, and body. And Jesus paid for our well-being, spirit, soul, and body. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, that spirit. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, that soul. And by his stripes, we are healed. We were healed, Peter said. That's body. Jesus provided for the whole man in his death and resurrection. And the gospel gives us hope for the whole man. When Jesus went, he went preaching, he went teaching, and he went healing. And you know what? If we take away healing from the gospel, we're not preaching the full gospel. Amen. So we looked at that. We saw it in Matthew chapter 15, verse 28. Right? To be made whole. Sozo. He made them whole in verse 31. Sozo. Okay, Mark chapter 5. Let's look at Mark chapter 5 really quickly. And this is with Jairus. You remember the story of Jairus? He was coming. His daughter was near the point of death. And he came to Jesus to see if he could get him to come and heal her. And he says this in Mark chapter 5, verse 23. He besought him greatly and said, My little daughter lies at the point of death, and I pray you come and lay hands on her that she may be healed and, and she shall live. Same Greek word, sozo. Come, lay hands on her, pray for her that she may be whole, that she may be healed, that she may be well. So when we look at this word, the gospel, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes it. It is the power of God to preservation, to soundness, to wellness, to wholeness. Not only in your spirit, but in your soul also and also in your body. Because at the same time, Jesus took our sins. He took our sicknesses. He was wounded for our transgressions. And by his stripes, we are healed. Peter writes about it, right? It's tied together in the Scripture. It's tied together in the Scripture. Peter says this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self took our sins in his body on the tree that we being dead to sin. Are we dead to sin? We've died, right? We've died to it. It's no longer our master. We're no longer its slave. We're servants of the Most High God. We've been set free from the power, authority, and dominion of sin. By whose stripes ye were healed. You've already been healed. It's already been provided for. It's already been paid for. Just like Jesus has already paid for your forgiveness, he's already paid for your, the healing of your body. 
Right, let's go a little bit farther in Mark chapter 5. J. J. Iris is coming to get Jesus. His daughter is laying at the point of death. He said, Lord, if you'll come, if you'll lay hands on her, she'll be made well. This, this, this woman presses through the crowd. The crowd's thronging Jesus. She's been sick for a long time. She's been to the doctor over and over again. She's spent all of her money. She's not any better, but she's rather worse. And, and you know, she's been bleeding for years. She has an issue of blood. She hardly has any strength. But with her last bit of strength, she said, if I could just touch him, 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 if I could just touch, if I could just touch Jesus, I'd be well. I'd be well. I'd be, I'd be well. And she presses through the crowd and she touches the hem of garment and he felt the power. He felt the virtue. What is the virtue? The virtue is the goodness of God and the virtue is the power of God. Where great grace is preached, great power is released. You preach on the goodness of God, you'll see the power of God. You preach on the grace of God, you'll see the power of God. She touches him and the power of God flows out of him. Jesus feels it. He said, hey, who touched me? The disciples say, Jesus, the crowd's thronging you and you say, who touched me? But see, the touch, of faith is, the touch of faith is different than just the average touch. People of faith are not just ordinary people. They're extraordinary. Extraordinary. So Jesus touches him. Jesus looks around and he, he looks at her. She's afraid. Oh, my goodness, what have I done? And Jesus says, woman, woman. He, he said unto her, your faith, in verse 34, has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. See, it's, it's the Greek word for salvation. And what is it? Sozo. Same word that's used right here in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, when he's talking about salvation. Soteria comes from this Greek word, sozo. Soteria from sozo. Again, what's the definition of it? Let's look at it really quickly. The de definition of sozo means to deliver, protect, heal, preserve, save, do well, make whole. Okay, so some of these new uh, commentaries, some of these new online services where you go to look at your Strong's words, they're, they're saying this means that Jesus secured all of these things in his death and resurrection, even our future blessings. And they're trying to put healing off someplace in the future. But I'm here to tell you, it's not someplace off in the future. You're, you're not going to need healing in heaven. You're going to be healed. You're going to have a glorified, immortal, eternal body that's never going to have to deal with some of the things that this body has to deal with. And so we don't want to put all of the gospel, we don't want to put all of salvation off to heaven. Hey, there's a part of salvation that's in heaven, glory to God. But there's a part of it that's for right here and right now. And right here and right now, I need healing. I need health. Thank God. Why? I need prosperity. I don't, in heaven, thank God, I'm looking. Heaven's going to blow some of your peanut brains. I'm telling you, there is no financial shortage in heaven. And then the Bible says that my God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory. You think it's a big deal if you get a one carrot on your finger. I got a neighbor. I, I mean, he's rich physically, not spiritually, okay? Now, we've been witnessing to him, and we're trying to get him born again. And he's over talking to my son Aaron. He's in trouble when he's talking to my son Aaron. My son Aaron is an evangelist now. Anywhere he goes, he has Bible studies. He takes people to church with him everywhere. I mean, he, he, he gonna, he's talking to my son. I said, ooh, that's a good person. Barbara said, yeah, it is. Aaron will get him saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. He got some great big old diamond. It costs, I don't know, thirty, forty thousand dollars It's a great big old diamond. You think it's a big deal you got one of those? God uses those for the foundations of his city walls. I, I, I mean, I, heaven sounding sweeter. <laughs> Rubies, sapphires, onyx, you know, go down and check out the price of real ruby rings. <laughs> Get your attention now. <laughs> I went down and looked. I said, I, I think I'm going to buy the silver and gold. I thought, leave, leave the rubies to somebody else. <laughs> 
I got a good friend in the diamond business <laughs> and precious gem business. He became my good friend when my son Andrew went to his store. He said, Daddy, this guy's got diamonds cheaper than anybody in the United States. I've researched it. So he went, to, he went, he went in there to enter this store. Talk about favor. He went into this store to buy a diamond ring. I've never even met the owner. While he's in there, it's just before my 25th anniversary. While he's in there, a boy comes and sells a one-carat diamond to him for $300. I said, hey, 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 it's a nice diamond. I said, I know who that's for. <laughs> and, so, and so I told that guy, I want that. He said, I got to keep it 30 days, but I know the young man, it's not stolen. I said, okay. So he kept it 30 days. He kept it for me. And he sold it to me for $300. But he not only that, he took the diamond out of Barbara's ring that she loved so much. He put it in a white gold cross and a white gold chain. And he put a new setting, put that one carat diamond, 1.05 carat diamond in her, in her ring that we got married with and charged me $300 for everything. <laughs> we have favor. He's still my good friend. <laughs> I go see him every once in a while. Now he'll say, now, now you can't, you hold on to that. You, you don't let that go for, <laughs> you can't buy that on the open market like that. Amen. But we have favor. God's with us. God's kind to us. Amen. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the good news of what Jesus has already done for us. It's the power of God to salvation. God wants you to do well. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be preserved. He wants you to be healed. God wants you to be healed. Just as much, God wants you to be healed just as much as he wants you to be forgiven. And it's all included. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Why don't we see more people healed? Because we don't preach on it. You know, I had, we have a good friend. They go to and up in, you know, a very well-known evangelical church in the city. And he, they, they loved us when my boys were in high school because they said, our boys want to know your boys, you know, because they're believers and they're real believers. They're not just, just believers in word, they're believers in deed. And, and we're still very good friends and, and, and they go to a traditional church. But he had us over one time and he heard about the woman that had a heart attack while I was preaching. And we went and laid hands on her and Jesus healed her. And they took her to the hospital and they found out she had a heart attack. But they said, there's nothing wrong with you now. And she was on some other medication for, for some breathing disorders. She not only got healed of her heart problem, she got healed of that. She didn't have to be on that medication anymore. Jesus took care of it all while he was at it. And they heard about the girl that had AIDS that came to our church. I mean, she had been turned over to hospice to die. And we had Billy Burke there. And he prayed for her. You couldn't even recognize her. She was gray. And Billy Burke prayed for her. She came back the next week. She still looked gray. Pastor, I'm healed. And the next week, Pastor, I'm healed. And she turned pink. She's healed. She had AIDS. Jesus healed her. And he said, you know, at our church, we pray for people to be healed. And, you know, I've been going to this church. He got saved in college and made a few million right out of college. He's a, he's a smart engineer and developed, developed smart bomb for the government. And, and he, said, he, he said, you know, in all the years I've been in church and we've been praying for the sick, I remember one person being healed. And we were so happy. And he says, I know what happens at your church because he's heard me preach. He said... At your church, you guys pray for everybody, and you're disappointed if one of them doesn't get healed. <laughs> he said, in our church, we've been praying for them 20 years. We, had, we don't expect nothing. We're not believing for anything. You know, but we had one person healed in the last 20 years that we've been praying for. We're really happy about it. He said, I can tell you, your church, they're disappointed if they're not all healed. That's right. <laughs> Why? Because the gospel creates hope and we preach the full gospel. What gospel are you preaching? The 10% gospel, 20% gospel, 50% gospel, 75% gospel, or are you preaching the full gospel? I believe in the full gospel. Yes, I believe in the full gospel. I believe I'm a charismatic. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I am a Pentecostal on the day of Pentecost. God sent his Holy Spirit. I believe in it all. 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good message of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation, to, to healing, to, to health, to wellness, to strength, to forgiveness, to, to preservation, to soundness, to wholeness in every aspect of your being, spirit, soul, and body, to everyone who believes it. My question for you today is, do you believe the gospel? Because there's a lot of people that, that say they believe and they say they're believers, but they're really not believers. What's it mean to be a believer? See, Isaiah says this in Isaiah 53, where we just quoted verse 4 and 5. He says in verse 1, Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord's prophetic about Jesus. You want to see Jesus revealed in your, your, your life? Then start believing the report. Start believing the message. Start believing the gospel. And you'll see Jesus show up big in your life. I haven't received everything I'm believing for, but I'm telling you what, I'm believing God today for more than I've ever believed him for in my life. I watched Andrew, you know, the other evening or yesterday in the morning, I wasn't able to make it up here. So I watched him online. I got excited because I'm believing for something. I've got a vision on the inside of me that's burning on the inside of me. Amen. Glory to God. I got a vision years ago. And, and you know what? That vision's expanded. And I wrote some things the other day when Barry was preaching. And I wrote some things the other day when Andrew was preaching. And I wrote some things last night when Andrew was preaching. My vision's expanding. And, and you know, the just shall live by faith. Faith is a lifestyle. Faith is a walk with God. It, you don't ever totally arrive until we arrive. You know what I'm saying. Paul says this one thing that I do. I forget those things that are be behind me. I reach forth to the things ahead of me. I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm trying to get a hold of what Jesus got a hold of me for. I have some goals in giving. I have some goals for my church. I have some goals for my life. I've attained some of them, but thank God there's more out there. And it's working, it's working. It's working in my life. Don't work for you, don't come, don't come try to rain on my parade. It's working for me. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes it. You know, I was preaching yet last Sunday, and I got a guy in my church that gets a little excited when I preach in the early service. And, and he, he, I was preaching and something, and he said, he said got to believe it, Pastor. <laughs> you know, and how I me, mean, he's pretty worked up. And I said, I do believe it. You know, I've actually had people come to my church, and they'll be the first time there, and and they'll walk out and they'll look at me and they'll say, you really believe that, don't you? I'm like, absolutely. Jesse Duplantis, he was talking to me. He said, you know why this works for you? He said, I know a lot of these people. And, and he said, you know the difference in you and them? I said, what? He said, you really believe it. And when you believe the gospel, it'll work for you. When you believe the word, it'll work. Now, let, let's look at this in Romans chapter 10. Paul says some things here in Romans 10 about believing. Notice he said... In verse 15, how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them who preach the gospel of peace that bring glad tidings of, that's, that's the gospel. That's the good message, the good news, the glad tidings, glad tidings, amen, glad tidings of good things. There's more than one thing in, included in the gospel. It's an inclusive, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. So what does it mean to obey the gospel? For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? You want to see Jesus show up big in your life? you got to believe the report. Amen. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So when we begin to look at this, the word believe is, here is the Greek word pisto, and it means to think to be true, to be persuaded, to credit, to have confidence in, to have conviction we have people who call themselves believers that aren't convicted about anything. They don't believe anything. They're not convicted. They, they don't stand for anything. Listen, if you're going to be a believer, be a believer. You know what? If some stuff in the world doesn't make you upset, something's wrong with you. 
Now, I don't focus too much on that. I don't look at that because I can't look at that and get where God wants me to go. I have to stay happy. So I don't watch very much of, of ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, or Fox News. Because the people on Fox News are just as negative as the people on CNN. I love conservatives. I am a conservative, but I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for a hole in the sky. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So I got to keep my eyes in the Word. Why? Because if I get all that stuff, I get distracted. But I'm convicted of some things. I'm persuaded of some things. I think some things are true. And because I think they're true, they're working in my, they may not be working in your life. I don't care. They're working in my life. Amen. I'm going to keep, hallelujah. I'm, I have confidence. I have faith. I'm convicted. Hallelujah. My son had been very hurt in a relationship. He dated a girl for two years, got engaged, was engaged for three years. And, and you know, her daddy basically attacked him. It was a real prejudice thing. And, you know, and I, we told him after her daddy attacked him, Aaron, you, she probably won't ever because of her culture be able to overcome that. And she wasn't. So he didn't date for a long time. And so we were down there at Houston and visiting him. He was playing in his doctorate recital at Rice University. And uh, Barbara saw this other girl and she said, you ought to date her. I, you know, we're just trying to get him off dead center. <laughs> we did have our first grandbaby. Her name is Paisley Jean. She was born on our 30th anniversary. So we were really happy about that. That's my middle son, Andrew. But anyway, Erin started dating her. Now, she, she comes from a different kind of side of the church than we do. And so I do have a little bit of concern. But I can tell you one thing about the girl. She's convicted of some things. She stands for some things. Amen? And what she believes, she believes. And the challenge is we got a lot of people who call themselves believers who really don't live like believers, talk like believers, walk like believers, act like believers. Andrew was preaching about that last night. Amen. And if you call yourself a believer, you ought to live like the Bible's true. So Isaiah said, so to obey the gospel is to believe the gospel. To believe the gospel is to obey the gospel. If you really believe the gospel or if you've really obeyed the gospel, you believe it. And you have some conviction about some things. Then he makes this statement, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me tell you something. Faith doesn't come by hearing somebody preach and preach and preach and preach and preach. Because all preaching doesn't properly represent God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, the word for hearing here in the Greek means this, the sense of hearing, a thing heard, the report of the gospel, the message or what one has said. Faith comes by the report. And the report by the rhema, by the mouth, by the things spoken of God. Faith comes when somebody comes and declares to you what God has said about himself or what God has declared. Faith comes when somebody comes and preaches the true gospel. That'll build faith in your life. The natural response of hearing the gospel is believing. If somebody's preaching the gospel, something goes off in you when you're preaching the gospel. And the natural result of that is that you'll believe. Faith works by love. That's not talking about your love for one another. That's talking about when you understand God's love for you, when you understand the grace of God. The natural response of that is that you're going to believe. 
That's, that's, what, that's what comes. Now, when he says faith comes by declaration or faith comes by the report and the report by the word of God or by the mouth of God. And this word, the word of God, rhema, the living word, the utterance, the declaration, the spoken word of God or the message. Faith comes when somebody comes and declares what God has said to be so about himself. Faith comes when somebody comes and declares and reports who God is. Faith comes. That causes faith to come. When you understand who God is, that'll cause faith to come. When you understand who Jesus is, that'll cause faith to come in your life. I like this verse in the message. It says this, the point is to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there is nothing to listen to. I don't want to waste my time hearing a bunch of whole religious people try to present something. <laughs> you know what? I, I want to hear what God has said to be so about himself. Amen? You know what? I grew up in the church, and we thank God for it. We got a lot of things. My wife grew up in the church. We got a lot more good out of it than, than bad. We got saved there. But at the same point in time, you know, we didn't hear the full gospel. We didn't hear the message that I'm preaching. We understood nothing about right standing with God. At the church that I was raised in, they preached, get saved, don't sin, repent, don't sin, don't sin, repent, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, get saved, repent, and don't sin. So we went to church, got saved, and went and sinned. Amen? Jesse grew up in the other side of the church. He says they go to, go to communion, go to confession, go to sin. <laughs> Still the focus is on sin. We've got to get the focus off of sin, get the focus on Jesus and understand that when you believe on Jesus, something happens on the inside of you. And that's what Paul's saying here. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good message of who Christ is and what he's done because it's the power of God. It's the power. It's the ability. It's the inherent power of God to those of us who believe. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone. It's, it works for everybody who believes it. It works for everybody. Everybody who believes it. Whosoever will. It works for everybody. It's the power of God to salvation to whoever believes it. For therein, in the gospel, the righteousness of God has been revealed. See the gospel is the revelation of righteousness. The gospel has been revealed from faith to faith, from the faith of the Jew to the faith of the Gentile. The gospel is righteousness of God's been revealed. And that's what Romans is talking about. It's talking about righteousness. And he talks in Romans 1 about the Gentile need for righteousness. And Romans 2, he talks about the Jewish need for righteousness. And Romans chapter 3, he says, there's none righteous. No one. He's talking about everybody's need for righteousness. But then he makes a statement in Romans chapter 3. Look at this, Romans chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 19, still talking about man's need for righteousness and how we are wholly undone apart from Christ. But then he says in verse 21, he says, but now the righteousness of God without the law or apart from the law. It's not about what you do. It's about who you believe. And when you believe Jesus, your life changes. Your standing before God changes when you believe Jesus. Am I supposed to be done? Yeah, I am. All right, I'll quit. I'll hurry. Okay. I didn't know, but they flashing the thing back there now. So he says, all right. He said the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnesses by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus unto all and upon all them that believe. It's unto all, it's upon all them that believe. Jews, Gentiles, if you believe on Jesus, the righteousness of God is going to be revealed to you. Now what happens when you believe on Jesus? You're made righteous, number one. So when you put faith in Jesus, you are made the righteousness of God. It tells us in Romans chapter 4, the way to receive the benefits of grace is by faith. And it tells us in verse 3 that Abraham was counted righteous or righteousness was imputed to him when he believed. Then it says this, and I'll just quote these in verse 6. 
It says David described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness. God places his righteousness on your account, makes you righteous in Christ when you believe on him. But notice what he says in verse 8. He says, David went on to say, blessed are those in verse 7 whose, sins are, whose, whose iniquities are forgiven, sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. He will not. He will not keep track. He will not keep a record of your sin. So he's imputed righteousness to you and he's not keeping a record of your sin. And so what happens is righteousness then becomes a foundation in your life. Not only you receive righteousness by faith, right standing with God by faith, but righteousness becomes a foundation in your life for receiving all of the promises of God. And he says this in verse 13, the promise that he would be heir of the world or that he would have dominion was not to Abraham or to his seed through the righteousness of the law. It wasn't, it wasn't through, it, he says, through the law, but he says, but through the righteousness of faith. And then he goes on and says in verse 16, therefore the promise is of faith that it might be by grace, that it might be sure to all the seed. The promise is sure because of what Jesus has done. The promise is sure because we've been made the righteousness of God. The promise is sure. So when I believe on Jesus, I made the righteousness of God in Christ. And then righteousness becomes a foundation in my life to receive all the promises of God. All the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God by us. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because I'm not ashamed of the good message. I'm not ashamed of the good news of what Jesus has already done for us. Because it's the power, it's strength, it's ability, it's inherent power in every believer to those of us who believe. It's the power of God to salvation to every Everyone who believes it to the Jew first and also to the Gentile for therein in the gospel the righteousness of God has been revealed from faith to faith from the faith of the Jew to the faith of the Gentile as it is written the just shall live by faith the gospel is the revelation of righteousness and if you have no revelation of righteousness if you have no understanding of righteousness you have no understanding you have no revelation of the true gospel. And if you don't understand the gospel, it's going to be really hard for you to get where God wants you to go and accomplish what God wants you to do. We love you. Thanks for your patience. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.